welcome to the Bougie Backpack Podcast. My name is Angel Trin, and I'm the founder of Pennywise Traveler. And I'm Mackenzie from Travel Hacks Mac. And we're so happy to talk to you today. So guess what we're talking about today? We're going to be talking about side hustles and specifically Airbnb. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, something that I do as one of my side hustles is Airbnb. So I kind of got started with it about... Let's see. I guess it's been like two years ago. Yeah. So I started, I got into it two years ago and now I've just kind of taken different steps with it and it's become one of my side hustles. But one of the things about side hustles is that you can use it to get business cards for travel hacking. So we're going to talk a little bit about that as well. Okay. So Mackenzie, how'd you get started into this? Was this like your first property? So like you can actually get a discount. I, I remember like there's something with the Roth IRAs or the 401ks where you can take out a certain amount of money, like not taxed to get the property. Yeah. So actually for, for starters, I was living in Indiana where the cost of living is a lot lower than where I live now. And so I, I bought, I actually bought a condo when I was like 24 years old, which sounds like, oh, wow, like you're must, like, you must have had some money, like what? But I actually, it was, it was $85,000. So like it was not very expensive. This was in 20, 2017. Yeah. So I bought it in 2017. It was $85,000 and I used my, my credit union actually. I'm part of Navy Federal Credit Union and they have an option to get a, you can get a conventional mortgage and only put 5% down. So there are options to do things like withdrawing from your, your IRA or from your retirement account, whatever it is, or there's options you can do the FHA loan, which is you put 3.5% down, but there's a lot of caveats with different, different kind of loan types. Usually if you're putting less than 20% down, you have to pay something called PMI, which is like private mortgage insurance i'm i'm looking at right right now online it says that if you have a roth ira withdrawal rules allow you to take up to ten thousand earnings tax and penalty free as long as you use them for a first time home purchase so did you use a roth ira for that no i didn't do that so yeah so instead i just had like what's five percent of of eighty five thousand like less than five thousand dollars saved up so i just put that down because it's like i'd rather not touch my my retirement account and just let it keep growing and everything. So I did that instead. And the reason I did it was because like I was looking at the rent rates. And this is something like if you're interested in getting into property, like, and the landscape is totally different now. But I was looking at how much I'd be paying in rent. And just to, like actually give the numbers, my rent would have been like $1,000 a month, a one bedroom. And I ended up buying a three bedroom condo. And my mortgage was like $800 a month. You know, there is some phantom costs in there. Like, you you know, you still have to pay utilities. And then like if things break, you have to pay for it. And I had a disaster happen right after I had bought that place. But even factoring all that in for a three bedroom versus an apartment where I wasn't getting any equity in it. Like this was a to me, it was a no brainer when I bought it. It wasn't perfect. Like I had to fix up some things like I got and I'm not like handy, but I like I redid the cabinets and then I got new flooring put in. And eventually when I left, before I left, I had new carpet put in stuff. So it looked a lot nicer when I left, but I still own that property too. So that was my first one. So like the one, and I'm not even Airbnb that property. I'm actually doing a full-term rental with that one. I handed that over to a property management company and then they just, they run it and then they just 
send me a check every month for that. So that's like, that's another option too. If you're going to do something like that, there's fewer opportunities to travel hack with it. So when you're doing things like renovating the house, obviously there's a lot of opportunities to get sign up bonuses. Unfortunately, at the time when I did all the flooring and everything, I was, I put all of it, I was using my, credit card, but I was getting 1% back. And I was like, oh, cool. I got like 2000 points. Like <laughs> I can get $220 cash back with that. Oh my gosh. So yeah, not, not optimal the way I did it, but I mean, at least I have invested it. Like it's better to take messy action than to, to not, but, um, but yeah, if you're going to do like long-term rentals like that, and you're going to hand it over to a property management company, you don't really have control of the things that get purchased. So you can't really do, you can't take advantage of the credit card kind of stuff. Who, how'd you find this property management? So I, I was living in a college town and there's a couple property management companies I knew about. One of them was my homeowners association. So I actually, I was like, eh, I kind of want to keep things separate. Like I kind of want to keep like interests separate. And I had a friend who worked at a property management company and I asked her about it. She was like, oh yeah, we actually have like a friends and family kind of rate. So it's like, I'm paying a little bit less per month percentage wise. It's like 8% versus like 10%. Normally maybe like 10% for property management. So she, she actually got me set up with that. And, but then she actually ended up like the company ended up changing hands and stuff. And I think I still am charged that rate. I actually haven't, I need to look back into that because it's like totally, they changed the management like right when I got, and then like a year after, like she doesn't, she no longer works there either. So, uh, but yeah, I actually like, like I did it basically from word of mouth. I'd lived there for like two. Well, at that point when I went to, so I, to back up a little bit, I lived in that, in that condo for three, four years after I bought it. So it wasn't until I had lived there for four years and I had lived in my city I was living in for like six years. So I kind of gotten to know the community. It's like pretty small. So I kind of had an idea of like, property what property management companies were around like i would see signs for them like i'd see apartments for rent by them and i kind of had gotten to know them so that can be kind of tricky though if you're like if you're not it like in a smaller town like in cities it can be kind of hard to find like what are the property management companies but you kind of want to look at like which ones are leasing for things like that for long-term rentals like what if you wanted to go rent an apartment who are you renting from is it are they managing properties like who are they managing it for is it for them do they own the properties or are there landlords that they're managing it for? So I don't think of myself as a landlord because I don't want to like, I don't know how to like fix the toilet. <laughs> like I can fix it like if it's like a little bit broken, but if something's like, if a pipe bursts, like I'm not, I can't like be on the scene. I don't even live there anymore. So I really can't. But, um, but that's kind of why I took that route too. Oh, that makes sense. Did a lot of your friends at the time also own property as well. So that's why you got kind of into it too, because you guys were all learning at the same time. Yeah, actually. Yeah. A lot of my colleagues at work, we were kind of in similar places in our life. Like we had, we'd started working at the same time. We had like the same exact salary and everything. So we were, and we were all kind of looking at houses around the same time. We'd all lived in apartments for like two years and we were, we all noticed like, oh, and so we'd kind of like compare notes and it, it actually, yeah, it, it really does matter who you surround yourself with. Cause I probably, got peer pressured into buying property because some of my friends were and like they ended up buying totally different like one of my friends bought a house that was kind of far out in the country like and I was not interested in that at all and then someone else bought like he had bought a he bought one that I thought was like too expensive like it was a lot nicer than mine but he had the money like he had like a, a huge amount of savings for like a down payment so he was able to like buy that so so yeah that definitely makes a difference like if you have people that you know 
who are into who are doing that. But like, I actually didn't know anyone who was renting out like that. So and when it comes to Airbnb, I didn't really know anyone personally that was doing Airbnb. So that was like, for me, it took me a while to get into, even though it was something I was interested in for a while. So you have one property that you have for long-term tenants that's managed... And then you have a different property that you own that's through Airbnb. Yeah. So the way the Airbnb thing came about is like, so me and Homeboy, we got engaged and then we were kind of like, oh, let's let's get a house and like, let's make it be an investment in Airbnb. So we were like, we're going to live there, but we're going to like set it up so that when we leave, because we were planning on, we, we wanted to move out of Indiana and move out to, to D.C., um, like we wanted to do that for a while. So we're like, when we set up this house, we're going to like set it up so that it'll be easy to transition to Airbnb. So we bought it. It it was like, it still wasn't like too expensive. Like the housing prices have gone a lot up, but this is in uh, 2021. So this is like, yeah, two years ago. And so we're, you know, we're like setting, when we set up the house, we, but we did not put all of our crap in it. You know, like it's hard to put, to put your house on Airbnb if you have like knickknacks everywhere. So we didn't have knickknacks anywhere. Our guest rooms were just like set up to be for Airbnb. So we set up the guest rooms that were like twin beds in the guest rooms. So we had a three bedroom twin beds in one of the guest rooms. One of them had a twin bed and a full size bed. And then we had our our bedroom where we were living in. So what we did was after we had moved in, we started renting out individual rooms. So we like to travel a lot. And what we do is if we were going away for the weekend, we would rent out the other two rooms. And a lot of times those the payment for those rentals would pay for our trip. So this is like something else you could do if you have a house and you you own a house, you don't have to worry about any like homeowners associations or, you know, like if you have an apartment, usually it's illegal to rent it to sublease it to Airbnb if you're not the owner of it. But if you have a house, you can do whatever you want. So that's what we did was we rented out the rooms the two guest rooms to to people. And, you know, in a college town, there's a lot of students who need to come and they need somewhere to stay that was cheap. And they if they're renting one room, it's not that expensive. It's like maybe we would put it up for like $50 a night for one room. Two rooms is like $100 a night. On college weekends that were more busy, like game weekends, because there's, you know, there's like huge football games, huge basketball games, the rates would go a little bit up. So that was like people's opportunity to find like a little bit lower cost. They might be paying $100 a night, some cases $300 a night for one of those rooms. But it's better than paying like $1,000 for a hotel room because some of the hotels downtown were like $1,000. So so we got a lot of people that way. So that was the business model was let's get this to pay for our at least our mortgage when we're or like our trips when we're when we're not in town like while we were still living in Indiana. Yeah. So now that you don't live in Indiana, who manages that property though? So we still manage it, but we do have someone who's like on the ground. So he's like our, he's our go-to guy. He's like Johnny on the spot. Like he is so, he's so good. Like we're very lucky to have him. And I, I mean, we like the the way we found him though was pre- he was a, he's a website developer for Homeboy on a previous project he was working on. And they had gotten to talking and he was like, he had mentioned like he was, getting into Airbnb because he's also an Airbnb host. And so they had like, we kind of knew that he was doing that. And, and my husband knew he was like a very like reliable person, like the the way he had worked on the website and stuff. And so, yeah. So, and he, you know, he's always around or he also, if he's not around, like he has family members and stuff. So if something comes up, he's like there, he can either be there to check on it. And sometimes it's literally just having a presence on the ground. Like even if something like, 
he do, he's not like a handyman, you know? He's not like going to fix, like if a pipe bursts, like he's not going to fix it, but like he can at least be there and call someone to fix it. Or he can at least be there and like if the guests are freaking out, he can calm them down and he's like done that before where if like something was going wrong, he could go check on it. So that's what we have is like a point person. And then we kind of like over time kind of assembled this like ragtag team of like people who are kind of involved with the property. So our neighbors on either side, they they're they're actually brothers, which is really interesting. But they were always very like neighborly. <laughs> they were always checking on us and being like, hey, do you want one of the neighbors had a farm? So he'd bring over like meat, like fresh meat all the time. Or the other one had a had a honeybees. So he would come over and just bring honey over. Like it was this like it sounds very country living, but this is like still in the middle of a city. It's like so it's so hard to explain, but it's like it's funny. Um, but it's very interesting, like very unique situation. But they're so they're very reliable neighbors. It's like they keep an eye on the house too. So it's like we kind of like had built that trust with them too. And they also like we don't want we want to make sure we're not like pissing them off because it's like you don't want I I would be annoyed if I was neighbors with this house that would just became like a party house, you know. But if someone throws a party, like we can just call the cops and like they can leave, you know. So they text us if something fishy is going on or if they see like 20 people enter the house when you're only supposed to have like our maximum is like six guests. So if, if so they send more than that in the house, then our, our neighbors will let us know. So we have that too. And then we have the lawn care team. There's someone who like takes care of our lawn in the summer. And then we also have the cleaning crew. So that's like a huge thing is having, uh, making sure you have someone to clean in between the, the bookings. And like all of that is like automated for the, for the cleaning. So whenever we have a new booking, the cleaning team's alerted to that, that there's, that they need to come clean and then they come clean. And yeah, so we actually got everyone together before we left Indiana and we were like, hey, we just wanted you guys to all like meet each other. So now that we're not going to be around. So if like you see each other around, you kind of know and you can put like a you can be like, oh, this person's supposed to be here. Or, you know, like if the lawn care guy's there and he sees the cleaning lady enter the house and he's like, who are you? You know, so kind of did that, too. Was it cheaper to find the cleaning lady like through a, a person that you met or was it cheaper to go on like somewhere like a task rabbit? Do you think that would have been cheaper or you were like, no, that that is just not reliable, <laughs> like on task rabbit. Versus, yeah. Like, someone yeah. So I've never used task rabbit, but what we do use is it's a website called turnover or no, it's called turno. They changed the name. So with turno, it's it can integrate with Airbnb and that's why we use it. They do like slap a huge fee. Well, it's not huge, but they do slap some processing fees on it. But something I like about it is you can use a credit card. So even though I'm paying a little bit extra, I like just have it automated. I just have it charged to the credit card rather than paying like because you could pay direct pay with Venmo, but then it's like, you know, you got to pay cash. And so it's nice to just like the, the other reason why it's nice is because it's automatic. So if we get a new booking and or if it's canceled, a booking's canceled, the the job will be taken off the board. So the way turnout works is you have you actually have like multiple cleaners that that can bid on a job. But like what I do is I just have like one who's like my go-to person. If she can't do it, she just assigns it to someone else on her team. So she like every time I need a cleaning, she just like takes the job. And then when she completes it, I pay her on credit card. And then that's like one way that travel hack from a distance too is doing all that, paying for the cleaning. You're getting the the person renting Airbnb is paying you the cleaning fee or you don't need to charge the full amount for the cleaning fee. It's probably better actually if you don't because then people get all mad. They're like, why am I paying this much for a cleaning fee? And then I like they might leave the house a mess because it's like they're like, well, what am I paying a cleaning fee for? And they just destroy the house. So 
it's up to you how much you want to charge for a cleaning fee. But that that money goes directly to you if you're the if you're an Airbnb owner. Uh, like a lot of the Airbnb fees, Airbnb takes a huge cut out of all, a lot of what the the renters are paying. <laughs> but yeah, that is one way. Is like so. Like think about it. This I don't want to say manufactured spend because it, it really isn't. But it's like so someone you know they're paying your cleaning fee to you. You get the cash sent to you, and then I'm paying my cleaning person with a credit card, right? And then when I pay that credit card off, I get the points. So that's like that's one way to like earn points from a distance too, because. The other way is like, you know, when you restock things, paying for maintenance and everything, you pay with credit card, earning sign up bonuses when you have like major jobs that you need to do on the house too. But it can get kind of tricky with housing because when you work with contractors, a lot of time they don't accept credit card and that can be like annoying too. Have you tried paying them with Visa or MasterCard gift cards or they're like, no, the contract? Um, like, no. So it, I I have sometimes pay, been able to, but it's usually just a matter of like, it, can they even accept a credit card? You know what I mean? But like, mm. if you're working with like a mom and pop kind of contractor, which I usually like don't, because usually it's something that's um like, it'll be like a company, you know what I mean? So it's like they either accept credit card or they don't. They either charge a fee for credit card processing or they don't. So sometimes I'll, I would just, if, like, if you're paying with a, um like a Visa credit card and earning 5% cash back on it, or five points per dollar spent, then like the 3% processing fee, definitely worth it, you know? So in those cases, I would do it. But usually it's like, oh, no, we just literally don't accept credit card. But it, it can go either way. I mean, another option, obviously, is plastic. So like with plastic, you could, if you have enough advance, you could go through plastic and then get a check sent to them if they accept check. But like some places they don't even, sec- I don't know. It's like they do, they either accept, some places only accept cash too. Never know. But like plastic is just kind of annoying because you have to like wait for the check to come. Yeah. So you got into this house hacking pretty much by like, hey, like you were with a group, like you're, you're, you were with a bunch of group of friends in your workplace that um, were also house hunting as well. So that's kind of, you guys were all kind of learning at the same time. So that kind of helped a lot mm-hmm. in the sense where like you had a yeah. community there. You weren't just alone Googling or just like asking around random people on the internet of how they did things and stuff. You were just like have your, your core group of friends from work. And then after you got your first property, you're like, oh, well, actually, there's other people that actually want to get an Airbnb. Let me learn some more. So that's how you got into your second property. It's a really good point. Like, because I, I think a lot of things like this, it's very intimidating. And having people that I could like talk to who are going through it at the same time made a huge difference. And being able to just ask like, quite like simple questions and like a lot of my coworkers, you know even if they didn't if they weren't um like my age or anything they were they were homeowners so i like could ask them and it definitely made a huge difference to be somewhere where you could afford to buy a house and i don't think i could have pulled that off in, in pretty much any other place and also having that barrier of this is something i can do like i can own a house right having that and then so that i can apply that to next house like it made the next house a lot less scary. It's like, oh, I've been through this. I know what you need. Like, it's still hard to go through the whole mortgage process. But, you know, like I did it, I actually did it three times because I actually refinanced the condo um in 2020 when the interest rates went like way down. I refinanced the condo. So like my um interest rate actually was really high. So this is actually, this is kind of like another thing. When I got the first house, the first condo, my credit score was trash. My credit score was like 600. It's like, it was like, 
like not good. I mean, it wasn't like it wasn't terrible, but it was like it wasn't in the 700s. So my interest rate was pretty high, but I still was like, okay, well, I'm still paying less than I would in rent and I'm at least building equity towards something. So I'll go ahead and do this. And I didn't even know about refinancing at the time, but then someone had mentioned refinancing when the interest rates were low and I was like, what? So then I actually refinanced in 2020 and that's after I had gotten into travel hacking. When I got into travel hacking, my credit score went up because my credit utilization increased significantly. Like before I had a credit card that had a limit of a thousand dollars. So if I bought like one thing on the card, the whole credit score was like shot, you know? So I didn't know that either. And that's like something I, when I was talking to my peers, like they had good credit scores just because like they were like a little bit older and like credit age is like a bigger thing too. It helped my, it actually helped my credit score and my financial situation with the housing and everything to get into travel hacking too. Do you think your credit score was only at 600 because you didn't have credit cards that long? Or like you never had a credit card or were you bad with credit cards before where you never made the payment on time? Like what what do you think caused the 600 credit score? No, I was like very, I was very obsessed with paying it like as soon as I could. The reason why it was so low, like looking at all the factors is because my credit limit was $1,000. So like if I were to go buy something for $500, it would, my utilization was at 50%. So like mm. $500 is like, you know, you could buy like go buy a laptop. There's so many things you can't even buy with a thousand dollars. So after a couple of years, like because when I first got a credit card, I didn't have any prior credit. So I had to like that was the low the highest limit they would give me was a thousand dollars. And then I asked for a credit increase and they increased it to like five thousand dollars. At least I was able to make more purchases then. I knew why it was low, but I was like trying to pay it and just felt like a never ending cycle. But like what I should have done was just get a different credit card, just have a different line of credit. You know what I mean? Like, because if I had just opened another line of credit, it would have opened my utilization up. Once I started by, I got my first travel hacking card, which was the Delta, (laughs) the Delta Sky Miles gold card, which is not a great card to start with. However, you live, you learn. And this was actually good because the credit limit was like $20,000, I think, or maybe $10,000 at the time. And my credit score was not, it was still below 700 at this point. It was like 690, I think. When I got that card, my, my credit score like shot up because my utilization went from 50% to like 1%, you know? So like that, that's something that's just like not knowing how your credit score worked, like really just hindered me there. How long was the wait between your first credit card and the Delta card? Five years. <laughs> oh, well, that's a Four big five gap. Years. Yeah, like it was not necessary. I was afraid. Like I was so afraid because my credit score wasn't great. I was just afraid of credit cards. And I think a lot of people are when it comes to travel hacking, just like afraid to get into it. And that I was too, because I was like, well, I, you know, I'm doing everything right, I feel like, and I'm still, I, well, I didn't feel like I was doing everything right, because it, no matter what I did, it felt like my credit utilization was so high, and I was just like, ah, I don't know what to do, so. so have, yeah. you, have you thought about having your mom add you as an authorized user? Do you think that would have helped for her credit card, because you would have had the credit history, or she was like, no? I actually, I actually did. No, I actually did. Like, so she actually, my mom actually added me as an authorized user when I was in college. I was studying abroad in South Africa and she was, she had the Amex Platinum. So she added me as a gold, like a gold authorized user, just so I'd have the card. And she, her thing was, she was like, if you get into any trouble overseas, call the number on the back of the card and they'll like, they'll figure, the concierge will figure something out, you know? I got into like dire straits, you know? Like she was like, Amex, they got your back. So that was like kind of the reason there. 
that did not help that much. I was an authorized user. It did not help. It, it, it can help a little bit. My credit score at least wasn't like 500s from having no credit. I did have a credit score, you know, from having that, but it did not. The The reason why it didn't help was because I had that, but then I had, um, I had this card with the high utilization. So it's like that was a bigger factor. You know what I mean? No, but I'm trying to think about the math. I had to research this more under the credit scores, but I think if you get added to a credit card, doesn't have a limit. She, if she added you to something that was like ten thousand dollars, you're that right. Would be better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, because that card that was a charge card, right? Mm-hmm. That's what yeah. I was gonna say. Like, I think it's because she added you to charge card, but and it's funny how she added you to Amex. I was like, but Amex is not really accepted internationally. But if she added you to Chase or like Visa or like Mastercard or something else, that's more widely accepted. So I wonder if she added. Yeah, you to- I actually couldn't use that card anywhere. I I didn't like. I tried using it and it like wouldn't work. But I wasn't supposed to use it so that maybe the idea was more the the service it provided not like actually it wasn't like yeah yeah yeah, yeah, using for money yeah yeah because i know that like a lot of people have the amex platinum for the emergency evacuation so that's just one example but it's funny because i wonder if she added you to chase like chase or like some other credit card that had a a, a credit limit if that would have been better for you versus a charge card because then you would have taken advantage of that balance but I mean, it's, it's stuff you live and you learn, right? Like you wouldn't have known that, yeah. right? And now, you, and also for those of you guys that don't know, we do have a free blueprint that does have, we actually do have a free travel hacking blueprint. So you learn from mistakes that both Mackenzie and I have done. That blueprint does go over a bit about credit scores. So if you're curious about more about stuff like that, definitely check it out. We also mentioned travel hacks on there, like different transfer partners and stuff. So you do want to take a look at that. I actually talk about all of this. I talk about all of this in the bougie bundle. Like I, I literally show my credit score and show like the different how things are changing. Like I'm not, I'm not embarrassed about because I'm like now I'm good, you know. And I also think it's important for people to know you don't have to start from having a great credit. I was like embarrassed because I was like, why do I suck so much? You know, like I feel like I'm fiscally responsible. I'm still my credit score is not doing. But it's just like I just didn't understand how it worked. No, it's okay. How to improve my situation? Yeah. No, no, it's okay. I think for me, one of my first credit cards I got added to was like. Victoria's Secret or like Pac Sun that my parents had for they like added me. No, no, Victoria's I, I, Secret is like is everyone's first credit card. I was like yeah. one thing I did get one thing I did get trained to do was no, to was say no limited. to store cards. Not limited to like it was the limited. yeah yeah. But that's under the same brand as Victoria's Secret. It's under L Brands, right? Oh okay. Is it? Like I think it is. Actually, I know limited. No, the limited that was like my favorite store. It was like Ann Taylor for a little more. Hip and Taylor, I feel like. I think it's under L Brands, right? It's under L Brands, or maybe it's it's not. I it's know. I mean, it's Tween Brands. Sorry, it's Tween Brands. The LA Brands. So oh, Tween. The LA Limited Two under L Limited Two is it is the same company as? Okay, so under L Brands is the Limited Express, Abercrombie Fitch, and Victoria's Secret. So it is. So I actually got added to like the Limited Two credit card. So like, like I would shop there so much during middle school and everything, and the limited also. So like that, I think that was like my first credit card beside, or either that one or Pack Sun. So it, it's so funny because it's like back then, like the retail credit cards, they had like this special offer, get like a hundred dollars off your purchase or something like that. Like if you spend five hundred, the Victor- now- Victoria's Secret was like you get a free bra, and like yeah. everyone did that. <laughs> yeah, it, it was, I don't think I got that. I think I, we got the limited credit card because then that for me, I was like, oh, I don't need an, another thing to worry about. Like, but I, it, that's such a funny other story that we could talk about, but like maybe that for another time, but like how like 
in New York, you can actually take a bus to go to, I actually did this. You can take a bus to the um, outlets and then the outlets there, there's a Victoria's Secret outlet there. So I bought a bunch of like yoga pants and like workout gear there at Victoria's Secret because they, they had cheaper sports bras and stuff. And I think I spent like five or $600. And the person was asking me like, do you want to open a credit card? And I said, no, but like, you know, I would have got some, just say no. <laughs> just say no i know but i i probably like drugs gotten, yeah but i i probably would have like that was like i think that was before i really got into travel hiking I think that was like 2016 so i guess that could have worked out because that i wasn't into like really into 524 back then until i really got into travel hacking in like 2019 so like i think that could have worked out potentially where i would have saved money but it's okay. You live and you learn, right? That was like ages ago, like long, long time ago. But um, yeah, like it's it's funny how we all get into our travel hacking journeys so differently. So like yours was kind of like how like once you got the the um the mortgage and the housing and stuff, your credit score actually increased, and it, it also helped that you were also using it as a side hustle, where you're using mm -hmm. it to get um um side hustle income also to boost your credit score also for travel hacking for points so it's like a combination of different factors that helps you like long term wise yeah and i mean also though like you don't need to have a, like you don't have to buy a house to have a side hustle <laughs> there's like plenty of other side hustles you could do <laughs> yeah. so like if you want to get into like especially like so the reason why it's good to have a side hustle because you can get into business credit cards that opens up like a whole new world of all these different points you can earn. And um, it's just well, it is nice if you actually have like a business that's like making money and stuff to have your expenses separated. But like, even if you have like a like business, that's kind of just like you sell things on Facebook Marketplace or like you sell things on ebay or what are what are some other things? Um, um so, so like Craigslist, Tutor. Yeah, so like, I mean, there's a bunch down. of different ways you can do different side hustle. I'm checking something on Swagbucks right now. If you sign up to be a DoorDash driver, what happens? Like, I think it's $75. Oh, yeah. So you, you can even yeah. stack and become a DoorDash person, you know? Like, you can sign up to be to deliver food and stuff. There's no shame. Like, just to let you guys know, there's no shame behind this, you know? Like, like doing a bunch of different side hustles and stuff. But it looks like you can get $75 from Swagbucks for being a DoorDasher. So hey, like hey, if you need side hustle money and you want to, people sign up. People sign yeah. up to be a DoorDash driver and then they just like don't do it. <laughs> they just or they just the do one. Like, they just do one and then that's yeah. it. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. If you want to do like a few things here and there, there's nothing wrong with that too. You know, like if you if you're doing a side hustle, like becoming an Uber Eats driver or like a DoorDasher, there's nothing wrong with that. Like to get side hustle income. I I do know that travel is expensive. So sometimes people do that to offset like different travel experiences. So like they might do that to offset, like, you know, you got your flight paid for and your hotel paid for with points. But what, what happens once, once you get there, right? What happens if you want to pay for tour money, right? So like if you become a DoorDash or Uber driver or like any other side hustle, like selling stuff on eBay or Poshmark or wherever, you can use that money to pay for the tours. Because I don't know about you, but I remember when I was younger, I would, used to cut out so many different things sometimes. Like, oh, I don't have money to pay for a tour because the flight ticket was so expensive already. And everything, yeah. the hostel was like, so ex the hostel. <laughs> Back when I used to stay in hostels, the hostel was so expensive already. The flight was so expensive already. I don't have any more money. And like, I, I don't, I can't do the the tour that I want because it's, it's more expensive. I should do the cheaper one. But cheaper isn't always better. So it's like you have more opportunities, like even with the side houses to pay for different 
travel expenses once you get there as well. Like if you want to yeah, have a nicer tra- for example, instead of eating street food all the time, once if you go pay a little bit more to eat at a restaurant, and there's nothing wrong with eating street food, by the way. I'm just saying like you can have Oh, I prefer food. street food. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that either, eating street food as well. But if you want to have a mix of different cuisine where you also try the street food and restaurant food and you need the extra cash, there's nothing wrong with getting the side hustle money to pay for that as well. Yeah. I mean, I also like travel hacking in a way is also side hustle. Like not just like if you have like a travel hacking business, you do not have to have uh, you don't need to be like an influencer to have a tra- to like to make travel hacking a side hustle. It's just like if you think about it, you put time into it. You're learning how to build up your skills with it and you're getting benefit out of it, like t- free travel. So like you can almost think of it as like a part time job too. if you think about the pay for it, like if you're however much time you put into travel hacking, like sometimes you can get your ROI as far of like however many hours you've spent like booking flights and like earning the points, you're getting like thousands of dollars in value. Like you're actually like getting paid, quote unquote, like a lot for that that kind of side hustle of just doing travel hacking. And like people who are in travel hacking, they resell a lot too. So like that's another Mm -hmm. way too. Like you buy stuff and you resell them too. So there's nothing wrong with reselling stuff on eBay and and everything, you know. There's nothing wrong with having a side hustle. But we can go back to like Mackenzie's story too of like so she got into this kind of like fight by finding the right group of friends that were in her community at work and stuff. And then she found the right people to work with just because of word of mouth, also because people in her community were looking at this at the same time. So what are some horror stories you have from managing the Airbnb? We, we want to know how it was like to not be in the same place. Because now you don't live there yeah, anymore. So, so you're not there up front. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll start with like just owning property in general. So like the worst thing that happened with like the condo, I had just, <laughs> I was just such a little baby. I had just like moved in and it was less than 30 days after I'd bought the place. There was this like crazy sewage flood that happened. Like oh something, there was like a, like some kind of stoppage and it overflowed. It was just, it was sewage water just like all over the floor, like on the bottom floor. I was also about to get my floor redone, which is like good and bad because of that. It like damaged the subfloor. My floor was about to get redone and like the carpet was destroyed, but I wanted to rip up the carpet anyway. So that was like, okay. But like I had to get the floor subfloor redone. I didn't understand subfloor. Like I didn't understand any of the stuff, you know, like that's the other thing is like, like I didn't know anything. You just kind of like learn by doing, you know, and like you live and you learn. That was horrible. I remember I was like, call- I called my mom and I was like crying hysterical. I was like, I don't know what to do. And then she was like, oh, like I- she felt so bad, but she's like, you know, like just try to call this and this and this and like whatever. Yeah. Eventually. So I had got the subfloor done, but that happened like a couple of times where I had to like, but like every time it happened, I knew exactly what to do to prevent it from like actually damaging my house. The homeowner association, I became like, I became a member, like one of the the actual like board members of the HOA and then I could have a say over I was like hey there's something wrong with the sewage (laughs) and for some reason it floods like my unit only and so like I I was able to like get things figured out with that so like that was like the worst thing that's happened to me like property management wise as far as Airbnb goes like I was terrified of like oh my gosh letting these strangers into my house they're gonna destroy my house I haven't had anything like super nightmarish happen. I did have, there was a group of kids that came and threw like this huge party and they left a big mess. They didn't like, you know, there was no holes in any walls or anything. 
that was like probably the the worst that did happen was there was this like one family that stayed for like two weeks and left the place really disgusting they brought i had like a keyboard like a piano in the house and they brought like the bench of that outside and it's like leather and like wood and they brought it outside because they were all sitting outside like they they brought way more than the allotted people and um i didn't know that because they actually like there's actually cameras on the outside of the house but they had this big moving van because i think they were i don't know they were like it was like i don't know what their situation was and they they moved it to block the camera so i couldn't actually see how many people they had on the porch they're all sitting out there and they like when they left they left that seat out there and my neighbor called and he's like and he they also backed that truck into my neighbor's mailbox i was like oh god so yeah my neighbor called and was like yeah, like these people, they did this, this, and this. And I was like, oh my gosh, like it sounded so bad. I was like, did they trash the house? Like, what happened? So called up our our guy who's on the ground. He like rushed over there. He went through and he's like, yeah, like, and he, he went through and it, it wasn't as bad as we thought. But like, but they like had moved a bed from one of the back bedrooms to the front bedroom. They moved the entire bed, and they didn't move it back. And it's like, okay, like, why did you move the bed? Like, you cannot move furniture. But, like, if you're going to do that, at least move it back, you know? So, like, that was, like, annoying. But, like, at the end of the day, I was, like, homeboy was, like, you know, how did we get into this? Like, what do we need to do in the future to, to make, to vet our people more? And I was, like, well, at the end of the day, they didn't really damage the house that much. Like, they, they did leave a mess. They had to clean extra. Like, I definitely, like, tipped the cleaning people more. But at the end of the day, they spent, like, a couple thousand dollars to stay there for, like, two weeks. So, it's, you know what I mean? If they didn't stay there, we wouldn't have gotten that money. And they didn't, they definitely didn't cause $2,000 worth of damage. So I was like, it's fine. Like you kind of have to like take, and also we've lost a lot of towels (laughs) throughout, throughout the ages. Like people just take towels and like don't return them. And it's hard to track who actually took stuff because it's with, with all the turnover, you don't know like, oh, well, this towel was here and now it's not like, you don't know who actually took it. So sometimes those things are hard to track. So, but we haven't, thank like knock on wood haven't had anything super crazy happen oh actually when i was when i was renting out rooms individually i did have a really odd dude who stayed there when i was there and he was just like he just really creeped me out like he would sit on the couch that was like outside of the main bedroom and would just like sit there all day and would like work on his laptop but like i was like didn't want to leave the room like if i was in my room i wouldn't want to go outside because i was like he just like wouldn't leave like he was just like and he was like, he said like something to me that was like really creepy. Like it just like really off putting. He wanted to extend his stay and I just like blocked the dates off so that it looked like someone else had booked it. That was like how I kicked him out. Like so passive about it. But yeah, that was like the worst thing that happened. But I haven't knock on wood had anything too bad happen. So did these people, did they have any recommendations before in their profile or they had like no reviews of the person or the guest? That creepy guy did. He had okay reviews before. But <laughs> after he left, the next house he went to, I actually didn't hadn't left him a review because I was worried that he realized trying to get rid of him. And so I thought he was going to leave a retaliatory review. Like, that's what, something that people do is if, you know, it's it's just as bad as the host if you get a bad review and the get like it's it's actually worse for the host because the host is like, that's a business they're running, you know, as opposed to a person, they can do whatever they want. You give them a review, they give you a review. So I'm afraid... Um, and something that happens too is like they actually don't get prompted to give you a review until you give them a review. So like if you just don't give them a review for a while, like sometimes they just don't review you, which is better probably. 
So with that guy, I was like, I'm going to wait till the absolute last second to give him a review. So I waited till like the last, literally the last hour. And then when I went to go give him a review, I could see his, his, his reviews. And the place he stayed after had given him a review immediately. And they were like complaining about how like he was messy. Oh, and, and like, I didn't mention this, but he was like, he would like leave. Oh, he would not flush the toilet. Like, I was like, what? Ooh. Like, I would go into the bathroom, like clean it. And he just like would freaking like never flush the toilet ever. And I was just like, why? Like, cause he's supposed to share the bathroom with people, you know? And I was like, that's like gross. Like, you need to like, sh- like flush the toilet. He would just leave crumbs everywhere, like just everywhere. Yeah. So like someone had written a review. They're like, yeah, he did that. And he wrote them a review that was like, I was like, yeah, this was a cool dude. He's like, but I just like left stars at random. And I, he gave them three stars. I was like, what? Like this, that's like someone giving us three star review on, on our podcast and then being like, love the podcast. Like they're really cool. And then leaving for three stars. And you're like, what? Like that's like, yeah. I don't know. It's like, it's like a big deal. So, so yeah, that guy didn't, but like, the other guy, the one that moved the bed, yeah, he had good reviews. So I don't know. You never know. But you do. Usually that is a good way to just like someone who doesn't have any reviews. Usually that's like, yeah. So so you won't accept anyone with no reviews. I kind of like look at the situation. Sometimes I let people leave their case. So if they message me and they say, I'm a like 50 year old woman who has never used Airbnb before, but I'm going to go visit my son or my daughter at IU. and that's the university that was in the town and like yeah i'm just so excited to see them like they see something like that i'm like okay like this and if they have a profile photo i'm like okay this person they just don't know how to use the internet (laughs) you know like they just have never used airbnb before and they probably couldn't find a hotel and they're like okay this is my first i'm gonna try airbnb i'm scared but i'm gonna do it so like someone like that if they can like have a good case and the other thing we didn't talk about this but like when it comes to airbnb like hacking negotiating so you can kind of talk to the host and negotiate. But what I what I recommend doing is like if you're gonna like it kind of annoys me when people try to ask for a discount because the people who do that typically are the ones who trash the house and they leave bad reviews. That's just that's just how it is. People who are like, hey, can you actually lower the price for me? Cause like I don't think I can afford it. Like that's not a good enough reason for to lower the price because in my mind, you're just gonna look at everything and be like, well, this isn't worth all the money that I'm paying, you know? In in the past when people have asked for discounts and I've done them because I'm like, well, I'd rather have someone stay there than not stay there. Usually they've given bad reviews. They've like not like bad reviews, but like, or they've just complained about every little thing. And it's it's better, like it would just be better to not have them. But if you are going to negotiate, you should bring something to the table. Like say, I'm really excited to stay in your town. I'm visiting for this thing, blah, blah, blah. Like explain your situation. As you can see, I have a lot of, I have a lot of five-star reviews. So you can trust your house in my hands. Like if you can consider a discount, I'd really appreciate it. Definitely would make it more, more likely for me to book. But if not totally understand, like I would probably give someone like that a discount just because like they seem genuine and they're not like, they don't, it doesn't seem like they're going to screw me over. Some people are just like, they really like, it it really is like the people who pay less are the ones who actually complain more and then they like trash the house. There's like a weird sweet spot of like, if you price too low, you end up like getting worse people who like leave bad reviews. If you price too high, you get people who complain that it's too expensive. So it's like, you kind of find, have to find that sweet spot in the middle. Another thing if you want to negotiate is to, is if you are returning to the house, like you're like, hey, you know, I came to visit last year. My daughter was was looking at going to IU and then like now she's actually moving in. Yay. And I'm like, yay, she got in. Congratulations. Like, woo. 
And then at that point, I would just probably offer a discount because I'm like, they didn't trash the house. Like they were great. Love them. So like, you know, that kind of thing. But I don't like, I don't like people like coming in and being like, give me a discount now. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give you a discount for that. So, so have you yeah. had a situation where like, so, um, were you negotiating with someone, but you didn't do it through Airbnb or were you just doing all your negotiations through Airbnb to play it safe? Yeah. So Airbnb, like if you try to take something off the app, they can like see it and it's like not, it's like against their policy. So like this, if someone messages you and says like, here's my phone number, like text me and I want to pay, I'd rather pay cash. Like, first of all, I wouldn't do that because like the, you're not protected in any way. There's, there, I, I just like to leave that barrier, even though you're charging a lot of money to Airbnb. Um, yeah, I wouldn't do it. And even like, I did have a returning guest who, who offered that. And I did like, there's one guy I did it with, but I was like, mm, I don't, I don't think I'll do it again. And like, so when people have come back and said like, Hey, I stayed here before. So now you know me, like I'm going to pay with cash. I know pe- some people would accept that because they would actually make more money that way. I personally wouldn't because like, nah, I don't like the risk. Yeah. yeah. So I guess like in this summary, it's like you have to know like 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 Mackenzie, she found the right group of friends who are also doing this at work. And then she was able to build up her credit that way. So initially she had a credit score that was like in the 600s. The travel hacking with the business credit cards and like just regular credit cards helped her go back up to like around 700 or so. And then she has had experiences where it's not always nice and breezy, where sometimes she might have a guest that might move furniture around or guests that like she has to kind of swindle them out by sneakily by changing the dates and like, oh, actually, I can't give you this room. The dates are unavailable. And also, like, she won't take into consideration the risk of booking off app because I've heard of people doing that before, too, where they book off app. I've never tried it myself, but... I think it's risky on both ends. So, like, even as a guest, it can be risky, too. So Yeah, because you don't have the protections. It's not baked under your credit card or anything. Like, you don't know if they, like, would be willing to work with you through Facebook Marketplace or somewhere else that still has proof that you have a listing in case something was to happen. But if you're paying cash at that point because the credit card fees are, like, too expensive for that merchant, then you need to take that into auto into mind as well. If you're paying yeah. someone in cash, like, what's the risk? Like, it's not marked on paper. Yeah. Yeah, that pretty much sums it up. I've been kind of taking a more hands-off approach now with Airbnb. So like because of that, I'm doing less of like the, I'm not earning a ton of points. I'm just earning like the bare minimum of, I haven't been like opening cards and like, because that's that's how you really earn a lot of a lot of points is by opening card, like business cards for your business and then meeting a sign-up bonus. But I haven't really been doing that too much. Like I did open a bunch of cards when we were, when we were building, like getting the house ready for, but then it's also like, there's not as many costs that you, I mean, there's maintenance costs and everything, but it's like, you know, buying all the, all the bedding, buying all the beds, buying all that. That's like where I was doing like sign up bonus stuff was like buying all the fur- like furniture and stuff. So how did but you yeah, research kind of where... that? Like, like, how did you research the furniture? Like, did you just find whatever cheapest option you could find in Ikea or Walmart or Amazon? Or how'd you find the furniture? Some of the main fr- furniture was actually like what we had in our house already. The couches and the um like dining room tables and stuff and like all the like plates and stuff that was all like what we already had and then yeah like the beds were basically like wh- what I could some of it was like Facebook Marketplace some of it was Amazon um yeah it was mostly like this is not like if you were to look at this listing you wouldn't be like wow I want to stay there like this is like this is like a place to sleep right like it's not like gross like it's it's very like it feels like a home 
But it's not like we didn't like hire an interior designer, you know, you can do that and you probably would get more money out of it if you do that. But and maybe that's something down the road to do. But um, but yeah, kind of did it the bougie in a backpack way. There's nothing wrong with <laughs> and that. And it's working. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe Mackenzie will use this money next to get an investment property in D.C. So, like, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, stay tuned. <laughs> I definitely did stacking when it came to buying the furniture, too. Like, but, but if it was, like, Amazon. Did... Yeah. Go on. With Amazon, I did a lot of, like, gift card stuff. Like, so, like, I would go, um, I'd get, like, Amazon gift cards, you know, to stack. What made you buy stuff on Amazon instead of, like, shopping elsewhere to, to stack more? Or was that just the cheapest option that comes comes in two days? Honestly, it's the fact that when it comes to furniture, like, lugging it around, especially, like, I was doing a lot of this myself, like, because, um... A lot of this, like, homeboy was, he was in Ukraine for some of it, and he was, like, overseas for other parts of it, too. So um, a lot of it I was doing by myself. And just, like, when you get something delivered on Amazon, it comes in a box, and you can just bring it into the bedroom and just open it, and, like, then you have, like, your bed frame, you know? So, like, that was kind of the reason for that, as opposed to, like, if I bought something um, at a store, like, it was harder to, like, lug it around. Like, Amazon, it delivers it to your door, you know? So that was kind of the reason. Like, that was, like, one of the main reasons for that. So she took advantage of her Prime membership, you know, instead of making the minimum payment that's required on certain purchases, like, you know, so certain stores, they require to spend like 25, 35, whatever the amount is to get the free shipping. Yeah, that's true. If you guys are interested in learning more about Airbnb, let us know. I don't know. It's kind of like it's kind of another way to travel and like save money and it's like you can use it to travel. That's kind of like what we were doing with our kind of like our house hacking situation. And it's also another way to have like side hustle money um, so that you can get into business cards and and to do all that. So, but yeah, let us know if you guys like the episode because it's kind of like a different topic, but I, I've gotten a lot of questions about it. And it's something I don't talk too much about on Instagram, but whenever I do, I get a lot of questions. So just let us know if if you like this episode. You can let us know by leaving us a five-star rating and a review. We really appreciate that. Yeah, this definitely like makes us make sense like for different side hustles. If you're curious, we can try to also interview people that also have different side hustles. If you want to learn about like, hey, what's your experience driving for Uber or DoorDash or wherever, just let us know. And again, those podcast ratings and reviews help a lot because it tells you like what you're interested in, what you're not interested in. So leave a positive one if you feel inclined and also tell us what you like and didn't like as well. We'll see you next week.